From Potomac Fund Management, this is the Conquer Risk Podcast. Join us as we discuss the business of running an RIA firm and the practice of investment management. And now, our hosts. Welcome to the Conquer Risk Podcast. My name is Manish Kata, and with me, I have Jeff Goodnow. How you doing, buddy? I am doing fantastic. There is sunshine outdoors, and I'm getting some light in here, and it's finally freaking warming up, so I'm a happy camper. Well, for the listeners or viewers, uh, Jeff's in, in Texas, so he's been dealing with uh, <laughs> snowstorms and whatnot and whatever the hell's going on there, so glad, yeah. glad everything's working out with yeah. you. Uh, listen, this is uh, what we call our hot takes episode where, you know, once a month, uh, give or take, we will just talk about different industry trends we're seeing, um, things that hit the, uh, the news, uh, and just a quick discussion, things that you and I would, would probably talk about anyway on, on our regular calls. And so the, the first thing that came up was an interesting story because uh, this firm is actually in my backyard, used to be at least, and um, I recall some of the people there with, with Facet Wealth. Um, and Facet Wealth, it was an interesting story. I think it was 2016 where, where they launched, or 18, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. Um, and the, their initial sales pitch was they would go out to RIAs and say, we will buy your smaller clients. So if you're an RIA with $100 million, but you have you know, a, a bunch of small clients that, that are inefficient and dragging you down, that was the sales pitch at least, they would buy it. Um, from what I read, it was one times revenue or whatever. Take it off your hands and put it into their machine uh, in terms of uh, flat rate pricing, financial planning, et cetera. And... Um, that was the initial uh, growth or angle of this company, and they've had some really explosive growth recently. Um, what's your What are your thoughts on Facet, and what do you What do you know about them? Yeah, I didn't know a lot until I saw this this article, um, but it, it struck a, co- a little bit of a chord for me because you know, in in some of the things I've done in the past, the uh, this really it, it struck me from a flat rate pricing standpoint. That's something that I remember back, and it was probably two thousand seven, two thousand eight. I don't have the article anymore, but like the state of Utah came out with this whole big piece of like six different iterations of flat rate pricing in the RIA world, and they said it's a no go just not going to happen. Um, now, that was flat rate pricing on on asset management, right? But we've always been able to charge a, a financial planning fee. I mean, that's that's been something that's been around for a long time. And I, I think my take on this is that it's interesting that now a firm is trying to just go after this for the smaller clients, because based on their ADV, the clients have a fair amount of money. Um, I mean, they're, they're up to $500 million, which is not too shabby for, you know, for having... Uh, you know, 2,400 clients or whatever. I mean, it is what it is, but but they're obviously grabbing grabbing the assets as well as just doing financial planning. Yeah, flat rate pricing is interesting, and we'll get into a couple points about their growth and their firm. But, you know, I think people, even though it's flat rate, I think you still start with a basis points charge and work your way backwards. Because the problem is, if you have a flat rate, you know, if you charge $2,500 on, on $50,000 account, you know, you start creeping into, well, I mean, that's 5%, you know? So it's like, you still have to start with a reasonable basis point charge and work your way back. You can't just say it's flat rate for everyone. And and where are the controls there that someone's not getting, you know, ridiculously charged um, on, a, on a flat rate scenario? Right. Well, one of the other things that, that struck me was, um, 
The fact that, you know, when you, you say, well, their, their goal is to go, or their, their process is not the goal, but the process is to go buy the smaller clients. Well, typically smaller well, clients hold aren't on. as... Hang yeah. on a second. I don't know. I actually reached out to the reporter that wrote the article. So by the way, Mike Thrasher, RA Intel, wrote the yes. write-up on Facet. I reached out to him and said, hey, are they still buying smaller clients? Because I haven't heard that news story made no mention of it. And so, sorry to interrupt, but the point is yeah. I, I'm not even sure they're doing that anymore. Well, I, I think I would agree with you. And, and, and part, of that, um, part of that reasoning is, number one, the smaller clients of a larger book typically just aren't engaged as much. And number two, the smaller clients, in my experience, are typically less likely to have the funds to be able to go spend $1,500, $2,000, dollars $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, on a financial plan, right? They're there maybe they only have fifty or eighty or a hundred thousand dollars of investable assets anyway, and so to come up with a twenty five hundred dollar check is kind of a big deal. So well, I think it was what it was six hundred six hundred to fifteen thousand. So maybe those those clients are getting okay, the, the okay. and this is but th but this is exactly why I think you're you're right as far as their target audience because their ADV says twelve hundred to fifteen thousand. So the six hundred yeah. that's referenced, I mean their ADV says twelve hundred. I mean. Yeah, yeah. They, they could choose to do lower, I suppose. But anyway, that, that's kind of my point is well, that look, they're... Right, let's, go ahead. With Facet, let's, let's talk about a couple things here. They're, so it's a VC-backed firm. I, yes. I think you did some research where it ended yeah. up being $62 million they've taken in. So you know, when you take in that kind of money, you're, you're no longer really an RIA. You're a VC-backed RIA, which means a couple things, right? You have to scale really fast. You're hiring really fast. You're trying to uh, focus more on user count than anything else. Nothing wrong with that, but the incentives are aligned with VC, not necessarily uh, the client. Yeah, that's a, that's a and that's a big deal for uh, for me. Um, and I guess the process is, it, it, I'm going to make a, a an analogy here, right? The the robo was supposed to commoditize what advisors were doing, right? It was supposed to just simplify this this deal, or whatever, and and that became a commodity. Third part, or you know, management itself was just a commodity. Well, here's what I don't like about this. It's really taking, and I think it's because of the VC backing, it's really taking the clients themselves and they are the commodity. Now, you can talk about offering great service and, hey, maybe they do. Facet, do your thing, man. Maybe you're, maybe you're cranking it and providing white glove service. But when the process itself is you have to scale and you have to get a whole bunch of people in, as clients and you have to hire a whole bunch of people to take care of those clients and it's all about the scale the client is just a widget they are just a commodity and that's the reason i don't particularly care for this sort of well uh, for, for, strike aside target. from that aside from that I, I think this is my takeaway actually and it's completely different than yours um <laughs> it's okay <laughs> I, I think that this is a lesson for advisors because they are actually going to do numbers that are compared to the larger robos and the lesson for advisors is we live in such a great time for anyone to go out there and market. And mm -hmm. advisors, I talk to advisors all the time, are like, hey, you know, what should I do? What should I do? I said, do you believe in your process? Do you believe in your product? Do you believe in yourself? If the answer is yes to all of them, go borrow money, get an SBA loan, go to your checking account and, and, and put it into marketing because there's proof of concepts across our industry of yep. being able to throw money at marketing and grow. And if that's your goal, 
This is like the greatest time ever to do it. And that's what I took away from this. I mean, they have a marketing machine. They're throwing money at it. They're throwing employees at it. And it's working. And so, you know, forget about the model. You know, advisors get caught up too much in hourly and flat and AUM. You know, whatever your model is, if if you want to grow, you know, you have to put the money into marketing. So yeah. anyway, that that's that was my take on it. Yeah, that's um, but, funny. Um, I, I want to add because I spoke to an advisor early this morning and it was funny because he's the first one to really sort of say this out loud. And he laughed because he's like, well, the most advisors say 82% of their business comes from referrals, which, and he said, what that tells me is they don't do any marketing, period. Right, they're they're dead in the water in that space. So if yeah. you know they're really just trying to replace the four or five clients that die or leave, and yeah, they can get those with referrals. So fine. Well, this is your case is absolutely spot on, in that th- there is a process. Marketing can work, right? PR can work. Those sorts of things that they, they can drive that engine to. If you want to grow, there is a phenomenal opportunity to grow. I'm 100% behind that statement. Yeah. All right, we're moving on. Yep. Uh, Satara buying Voya. Uh, quick, quick story, and then um, uh, we'll, we'll dive into why this is at least important to us. In 2017, Satara, we had a direct agreement with them because they purchased a handful of broker-dealers that we worked with. They terminated our direct agreement because they wanted all the reps to go to platform. We hated, that. we hated them, and we hated that decision, and we were wrong. So in hindsight, we were absolutely wrong because, frankly, as we've grown ourselves as business owners, we come to the realization that it's actually better and easier for an advisor to be on a platform, easily switch out money managers, uh, work with one paperwork experience, and and not have to constantly um, have these direct agreements. And they weren't the only one that did this to us, LPL, a couple other places. And we were angry and bitter at the time because it really rocked our business. But in hindsight, they were right. And, you know, if I can meet the person that made the decision, I would shake his hand and say, you know what, you were right. I said a lot of bad things under my breath about you, um, but ultimately you were right. And, wait, and wait, Satara, those were under your breath? Why did I hear them? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, you, to you, um, to you about them. So, but, you know, we, we listened, you know, you got to admit when you're wrong. And, and they're, they're, you know, the, we've worked with them closely over the years. A uh, ton of advisors work with us through Satara. And I, I think, you know, they have nailed the My Advice Architect platform business. It's it's efficient, it's well run. And I, I think adding these Voya reps is just gonna be beneficial to not only Satara but also to the Voya advisors. They're gonna they're gonna really get tied into a a, a machine that's that's well oiled at this point. Now I'm gonna have to do I'm gonna have to do something fun here and this is uh, specifically for Christopher because I'm gonna give Satara a round of applause here. This is a, a little trick that my wife taught me years ago. Um, I, I, I no, totally agree. I, I want to give Satara a round of applause because that was probably the biggest impetus. The, the word we like to use in our our business, you and I talk about, is pivot, right? And for years, uh, the the discussion was, well, what about TAMPS? What about that distribution channel? And and we ignored it. And uh, I've admitted I'm I'm 180 degrees from where I was before, right? I used to teach advisors go direct to your your different managers and so forth. And and now the world has changed. And I think it's the opposite. I think most advisors will do better, will grow better, will provide better service if they are associated with the service provider, the TAMP, providing the different strategists that they can choose from. And Satara rocking our world like that with a a fair amount of assets that we had to figure out what we were going to do with, 
um, you know, help to open our eyes a little bit and say, okay, wait a second, do we need to rethink our process? And uh, yeah, it's obviously been uh, pretty successful. We love helping the the foresters folks. Hopefully now here are some of the Voya folks, the you know the different or, different groups within the Satera organization. We've got you know First Allied and the different Satera broker dealers. So pretty pretty exciting All right, stuff. Well, next thing that came up actually, um, I think you and I should talk about this in a full blown podcast. But for now, let's just kind of intro it. Um, it it's come up a lot recently, and and I knew nothing about this whatsoever prior to two <laughs> weeks ago. Um, even on that first call, we have a, a, a one of our um, a top advisors who who want to use this, and we all started doing a little bit of research. Um, and it's donor advised funds. And typically, you know, I think Jen asked me like, what do you know about this? I'm like, nothing. I've, we've never had one. We don't know how to manage it. I have not the slightest idea. Um, but it's come up so much. And so yeah. you took the lead on this. Uh, what, what was in the news recently with the, with the growth of these things? Yeah, well, I mean, look, there was an article that came out about Fidelity and Schwab. And, and you know, that's, that's great. Ironically, um, you know, the, we also, you know, deal with TDA. And so we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but the, here's a couple of little quick stats. So I'm going to read these to make sure I get them right. Uh, in this article, Fidelity said donors made 2 million grants, totaling 9.1 billion dollars to 170,000 charities. That was a 24% increase, um, you know, over, over 2019. Um, Schwab was similar, right? And donors gave 830,000 grants totaling $3.7 billion to nearly a hundred thousand dollars, excuse me, a hundred thousand charities. So that's a 35% increase. So you really think about this, both organizations unrelated had a 30 plus percent increase in the amount of donations in this space that's pretty crazy um if wait, you wait, don't wait. hang on can you back up a second i want to yeah. ask you a question talk to me like i'm a 12 year old who understands none of this what is yeah. a donor advised fund yeah so basically there are several ways that you can give to a charity funny enough i just last night was part of a webinar where they said something like 82 percent of donations are still done by paper check Okay. It's a paper check. Paper. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. Okay. Go ahead. So, so think about this for a second. If you write a paper check, now you've got to go. Maybe you can write it off on your taxes if you can itemize. But there are better options if you're talking about a sizable donation. So, a donor advised fund is essentially an irrevocable trust that you put the money in. Or it could be cash, right? But could also be, let's say, you've had Apple for the last twenty years. And, it, and it's in a non-qualified account, well, you could donate a certain amount of Apple stock to this donor-advised fund. Suddenly, they get the, essentially, if they want to sell it, whatever, right? You could have, the, it's the money. That's all they're really needing is the money. But you don't have to pay the appreciation for selling Apple stock to give them the money. You can just give them that highly appreciated stock and save yourself the taxation on the on the difference now there's another step to this and this is where it gets a little bit exciting so i think it's a good time to say there are options that will allow the donor to still manage the assets and that's that's where this is pretty interesting for advisors because not only are you helping on a very clear tax benefit but you're also helping uh just from the standpoint of hey there's some dollars there the advisor obviously has the ability maybe to be compensated but importantly, if you can manage that, then even that money can continue to grow. And so it's a pretty cool setup. And the higher you go up, up the wealth spectrum, the more donor-advised funds are used. 
So I think donor well, advised I mean, funds listen, is kind of gotta, a bad call. You got to have some name, serious but... f- money to to donate stock, you know. So th- these aren't these are some some uh, uh, affluent people that are doing this. Well, yes and no. So you know we've we've got one access point where I've seen it as low as ten thousand dollars. Now, frankly, I'll be honest with you, the ten twenty thousand dollars I don't think is probably worth it. Um, in most circumstances, but, uh, you know, look, there's a lot of people that maybe work for, I'll just pick on a couple, let's say Texas Instruments or IBM or Apple that have a lot of stock appreciated that they don't have to necessarily be super wealthy, but again, they're sort of stuck. And if they want to sell it, they've got to pay this, you know, the capital gains. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So why not? I know we had a a boon in our past where, where Kim and I had a, a good opportunity to have some excess funds and we wanted to take part of that you know, situation and, and do a large donation. And so it would have been nice, frankly, to have known that, to have been able at that time to use something like this and do so rather than just simply cutting a check. And, okay. um, and that's, that's and so the difference, we, right? So go ahead. So we found a company, uh, I guess you found a company called the American <laughs> Endowment Foundation, AEF, yeah. Uh, yeah. that offers this service uh, in conjunction with TD. Um, and it allows advisors who are working with the union you may to uh, offer donor advised funds and then the, the money that's that's on the platform obviously uh, we're able to manage with the you know the the uh, multitude of strategists that we offer uh, what uh, any quick thoughts on that don't ruin our next podcast but any quick <laughs> thoughts on that no I, I I'm not gonna ruin the next podcast I think this is the the big eye-opener for me because I'm the only one who was really familiar with donor advised funds uh, before when this conversation came up a couple of weeks ago and and that was my experiences had always been you really had you know you're talking about different entry points a million dollars two million ten million. And then you basically do your donation, and what you get back is basically a all those different donations pooled together, and that's just a bucket of stuff, and that's what you get to to, to in doing your donation. I mean, it was a it was kind of an awkward thing, and really meant for the ultra net, high net worth kind of people. Um, so the fact that this pairs down to the like I said, as low as ten grand or twenty grand or whatever you want to do that that kind of thing, I think speaks volumes to technology moving forward. And just a better way to approach helping your clients in yet another way. You and I have always said it's not the money management that is sort of the golden ticket to help a client. It's the financial plan and that kind of process, that, that everything can, around that that the advisor provides their, their most of their value. right? Yeah. Because and a we, lot of people got, have access to the same strategies. So. We've gotten a ton of questions about this too. So I think it's... Uh... I think it's important. And, and frankly, I don't think a lot of firms out there are addressing this. So we'll, right. we'll save the rest for the next podcast and we'll dive into um, how functionally it works uh, with AEF and TD and Potomac and, 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 and all of that right. stuff. So right. let's, let's save that for the next one because I think it's Sounds important like a plan. information to get out to advisors. All right. Uh, what, uh, what do you got? What, any recommendations in your world these days? Yeah, you know, I, I have to, uh, you know, I have to throw one out there, and I know you're going to laugh at me, but hey, it's RV world again uh, from the standpoint of uh, my oh, grand Jesus design Christ. RV. Uh, you know, after going through the, the cold nuts apocalypse down here in, in Texas with everybody freaking out, um, you know, double-digit negative wind chill. You know, we always wondered because we didn't want to be in the cold. That's the whole reason we were doing what we were doing. But I, I have to say... Um, you know, very, very pleased. I mean, with uh, the way we've got this set up, we really had no problem. The rolling blackouts, all that stuff. Uh, cold weather, not an issue. Uh, just really happy. So, 
you know, their service is top notch. What can I say? If you've got somebody, one of your clients is, is asking about RVs and that's what they're wanting to do in retirement or whatever. Uh, there you go. You got something to, it's a value well, you, add. You, you, didn't got something to give you didn't mention exactly what it is. It's what, what, what's the actual recommendation? Well, so I have, uh, yeah, so I have a Grand Design Momentum 397TH. So that is a toy hauler. Okay. They have several different, they have, you know, fifth wheels, they have travel trailers, they have toy haulers. We have a toy hauler. So I have my own generator. We have this set up to basically boondock, which means you're not connected to anything. So in this perspective, when everybody else is freaking out, well, we weren't connected to water. We weren't connected to sewer. We weren't connected to the, the electric grid kept going down. Well, that's okay. We, we were ready. We had our own water. We had our own electricity. We had everything. So it really cool. wasn't a big issue for us. Well, yeah. I mean, I know a lot of folks are struggling in Texas. And, and, and uh, shout out to, to douchebag Ted Cruz who decided to fly to Cancun <laughs> while, while his entire state is going through something. Um, and, and blame I don't his kids. I don't, get, I don't get political on this, but come on, man. Like, whatever. Anyway, um, my, uh, my recommendation this week is something called Misfits Market. And so apparently when grocery stores stock their produce aisle, if there's something that dis disconfigured or looks crooked or whatever, they put it to the side because they want their produce to kind of look pretty. Um, and so this Misfit Market works with grocery stores and farms to package up and sell at a, at a discount perfectly fine food that maybe uh, looks a little different. And you can get these boxes once a week. And so we tried it out. You know, you get these free codes and you get them mailed out. And it's, it's actually fine. I mean, everything is perfectly fine. There's a good mix of, of different fruits and vegetables um, delivered to your door. And, uh, you know, I'm always suspect of these things. Like, you know, just take your ass to the grocery store and go pick it out yourself, you know. But, uh, but it, 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 it's, it's awesome. And obviously with four kids and a busy life, to just have that stuff show up in your doorstep is is um you know is cool so i i definitely recommend it we, we're continuing to do it um and it's a it's a good good find well uh, I, I guess the best thing i can say is i resemble that remark <laughs> I, I work just fine i work just fine i just look <laughs> a little funny yeah right. so, well listen anyway. uh, let's wrap this up here look youtube is blowing up and listen Boom. we went three we went two and a half years with yep. videos having three views which were probably me you and and christopher um and 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 then every video was three views five views seven views and like, what are we doing and then all of a sudden it went from 500 to 800 to now 1000 1500 views so obviously people are going there thank you continue subscribe like whatever the hell you do on youtube um, and reach out to us if you have any questions, that's for sure. All opinions expressed by podcast guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Potomac Fund Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Potomac Fund Management may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.